So I want y'all out there to do for me is Say this, say go DJ Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, coming to you live. Not live. I, I don't understand why people on a podcast say, like, we are live from, when it's like, well, you're actually not live. It's a podcast. This is not live. I'm coming to you, I, I, but I'm personally alive. I am living and breathing, baby. That One more good. day. One more day, baby. Maybe I'll, actually, I don't want to say bad things. Anyways, <laughs> I'm Bobby Skinner, coming to you from Florida. I'm here. With my co-host and my good friend Danny King coming to you from New York. A couple of idiots talking about the Giants taking ourselves way more serious than we probably should. Danny, how you doing? How you feeling now that minicamp is uh, officially over? I'm doing good. Uh, obviously, now we're about to end the uh, final weeks of OCA, so the really going to get really dry on Giants news until about July when training camp finally kicks in. But it seems like it was a good mini camp. Uh, it wasn't as very much alert. Last year, it was a lot of learning because they had to get used to the system. Now, a bunch of the players returning, they're able to get right into it and able to help out the new players get to learn the new system as well. Yeah, that seems to be a theme from the team. I made a rhyme right there. That year one to year two is a big difference. Uh, we've heard that from Eli, guys like Sterling Shepard. Um, Nate Zolder in his press conference got asked about it. He didn't understand the question. We could talk about that. Um, so yeah, I, these rookie camps or mini camps and OTAs have want, went just about as well as you could, because you really don't want one side of the ball dominating. And we've had days where it's like, man, defense really good. To, good day today. Oh, uh, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, really good today. But that has to be the brightest spot. Daniel Jones has been playing really well, and I don't want to overreact to these because they just are mini camps. Um, and we talked about like the whole read option thing. And by the way, if you want to tr- like, I've noticed there's a trend with me. I'm starting to learn my own trends. And day one of any OTA uh, mini camp schedule, I'm very positive. I'm talking about stuff. I'm like, look at this, look at that. Check out this stat. And then day two is just petty Bobby because everyone overanalyzes and just like they just look for anything bad. When it's like, why are people happy about Daniel Jones running a read option? And a red jersey. It's like I don't think we're guaranteed. Like we're saying that we he's going to be Michael Vick. Like, and I saw one of the um, can't uh, I, I think it was Barstool. They they made like a joke like Daniel Jones is the white Michael Vick, and like this is absurd. It's like it's obviously a joke. Nobody thinks that Daniel Jones is Michael Vick. So people just look to find offense with everything. So that brings out the petty in me. So and this is how like I look into my brain. Is first it's like these people are so annoying. Why are they like this? I want to say something. And then it's like, you know what, Bobby? Don't let them get mad. Just lean into it. And so I, that's why I put out the, listen, everyone, Daniel Jones had a red jersey. Let's not overreact to this. And let's stop with the whole, he would have been tackled. Daniel Jones has to wear a red jersey to protect the defenders from him rocking their world. Like, just wait until they could pay, when, until he's allowed to hit the defenders. And that that got into some people's bosom a little bit. That that's great because Daniel Jones is obviously if you see him, I mean, he, he's a buff guy. He did what like twenty five push ups at David Tyree's uh, bowling event. So I mean, Daniel Jones, he's a buff guy. He can probably truck Dexter Lawrence if he oh, had yeah. to easily, no doubt yeah. in my mind. Troy Polamalu, Daniel Jones. I'm taking Daniel Jones ten times out of ten. But no, seriously, 
Daniel Jones, he's been impressive. And some of the, the theme is he's working the deep ball. In fact, I'm, I'm working on a stat uh, I'm going to start with tomorrow. I'll probably be putting it out throughout the weekend. But he's been working the deep ball really well. You could tell. I know it's just a few clips we get. But he's kind of reading the field. He's making progressions. Um, every beat, even like the people who can't, like who are as bad as negative as they can that are on the beat, they say like, like I don't know where this Daniel Jones arm strength thing came from. And that was where we came, like, came to, Danny, where it's like we hear this arm strength, arm strength. And then we just watch, and it's like, where? Show me one throw where his arm strength, like, screwed him. Like, no. And it, we just didn't see it. And I think it's, it's pretty awesome to realize, like, that, like, I don't know, that maybe just, like, a couple people said that, and we just kind of read, ran with it and believed it. And it's just awesome to hear that he's having a great camp to where some people are calling for him to start day one. And – I'm not there yet, but I wouldn't lie if I said it hasn't crept in my mind. Like, man, what if we just start Daniel Jones week one? I'm not there yet, but it, I, I'd be lying if I said it hasn't crept into my mind. No, it's crept into everyone's mind. The the what if Daniel Jones was given a nod to start. But as you said, I'm 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 not there yet. I can't bring myself around to just not even starting Eli without even seeing if he could possibly be any better than he was last year. Now with a better offensive line, quality receivers around him, I probably should have said that because now people are going to say Odell's not there. But still, it's Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. So just hearing Daniel Jones, and as you said, most be- I think I've only heard one breed reporter say he had a bad day and it was, I'm going to say it was Jordan Rain, and it, basically everyone else was saying he had a good day, and he was the only one I saw saying him and Eli had a bad day. I'm pretty sure he said Alex Tanney had the best day of quarterback, so I'm like, all right, I'm not sure what planet he was on because everyone else said Daniel Jones had a good day. But still, as you said, Daniel Jones working the deep ball, that was good. The read option play, that was good. The red zone sounded like he played well there. It just sounded like it was just a good camp, mini camp for Daniel Jones. Hey, they don't call him DJ Dines for nothing. But yeah, like even like I know they just put out highlights, but they also don't throw a like forty-five passes in these practices on eleven on eleven, seven on seven. Obviously, in their individual stuff, they do. But it's just really encouraging. And Justin Pennick is gonna like he's he's licking his lips now that I just even mentioned Daniel Jones starting week one. He's gonna eat me alive, uh, and I'm gonna have to deal with that. <laughs> we we we. Man, if he has a good preseason and Eli doesn't have great, we are going to be dealing with that hardcore. I mean, I even remember back in the days when it was like, we just need to move on with Ryan Nassib. Like, So I know how that all works. But, and you know, we talked about the last episode why I do think there is benefit for him to not start right away. Uh, although I would, I I'm also would be comfortable with him starting week one more than any other QB in the stuff, except for Kyler, because Kyler's just such a playmaker. Uh, it's such a huge unknown. But... It's just awesome to have like this good news coming out of camp, and like instead of just negative stuff and off the field stuff, it's just it's been a really refreshing off season workout program. We have one more week of it before training camp next week, but man, I, I I'm just happy. Like I'm happy with where the Giants are. I see us moving in the right direction, and now that we're seeing some on field stuff, I'm just happy about this. I know this is the time of year where everyone can be positive, um, and things can change. Um, and I'm not like you know saying oh we're going to the Super Bowl. I just see I see things going on the up and up, and I'm I'm really pleased with that. No, yeah, and also I I think you said training camp is uh, next week. Uh, d- don't make me think training camp's next week. I wish it was next week, but <laughs> OTAs. Sad, sadly, we still got to wait till July. But as you said, a very quiet off season. 
which it's been rare for us recently. We always had a certain person sometimes maybe say a certain thing that would get him in trouble. He may also have had certain videos leak. I'm sorry, I'm going deep again. I shouldn't be talking about said guy. But as you said, just a nice quiet minute camp. That's how I like to hear it. Players doing what they're supposed to do and just having fun at practice. I love to hear it. Yeah, so let's let's move off Daniel Jones, some of the other things from camp. Uh, everyone seems to be participating in healthy, right, Danny? Yeah, uh, yeah. For, there's obviously the usual suspects on the side. You had Olsen Pierre, Alex Wisely, uh, Britton Golden, uh, Mike Remmers, Nate Solder. But on it, what was it? It was Wednesday. Sterling Shepard, Jabril Peppers, and Sam Beal all were not not there uh, for Jabril. Pe- Jabril Peppers, he had a tooth extraction. He returned today or yesterday when you're listening to this. Uh, Sam Beal, he had a family issue. He returned yesterday as well. And Stanley Shepard, who was dealing with a wrist problem, he returned yesterday as well. And it seemed like it was nothing serious with Sterling Shepard because it sounded like he was making some pretty impressive catches over the DBs. Yeah, definitely. And uh, with the Sam Beal being back, one good thing about him being back, obviously just him being back, it's good. But it seems like DeAndre Baker is the starting corner now, where Sam Beal's been back. DeAndre Baker, we said it in the last show, he's the first-round pick for a reason. I love Sam Beal. I cannot wait till he gets his time on the field. And he'll get his time on the field this year in spurts. And, you know, stuff happens. Um, and obviously we have to move on from Jenkins eventually because of all his talent. But DeAndre Baker, uh, I've loved what I've heard from him. I, I just I think he's going to have a really good year. And he loved the pads. No, he loves the pads. As you said, uh, Janoris Jenkins is done after this year. We've said this countless times. So even if we say we have to sit Sam Beal for some time this year, he will most likely get the job next year when Janoris Jenkins is gone. But also, something I want to say with DeAndre Baker, some people said his attitude, he had attitude problems down in Georgia. Well, he's not showing it up here in New York. He seems like a very humble guy who just, as you said, loves the pads, and he just also wants to go out there and just prove his coach is right and the team right for drafting him in round one. Yeah, and I actually went and looked back at that whole attitude thing. From what it looks like, it was just he didn't play in the bowl game because he didn't want to risk injury, and I'll never blame guys for that, Um, unless you're, like, battling for a championship or whatnot. But supposedly that's what it was. It's like because he didn't he didn't want to play in the bowl game, um, and like obviously that's going to piss college coaches off, uh, especially like an SEC an SEC school. So you know there always can be more to it than what we know. It's not like the NFL where it's covered every inch of it, and you have to pretty much release everything and guys talking to the media all the time. Um, so maybe there is more to it. But from what I've heard and read up on, it was basically like they were pissed off that he didn't play in the bowl game. So, like, I'm not going to blame a guy for, um, you know, taking that game off when you're about to be drafted first in the first round of the NFL draft. No, yeah, obviously we're not going to get into the whole players getting paid because that will open up a whole different can of worms. But he, he, you're right, players shouldn't get mad for possibly risking injury in a bowl game unless you're in the college football playoffs or like you're in, like, your team's championship game. Then I feel like that's an exception. But if you're in, like, the, what, the Fiesta Bowl who cares? No offense. It's the Fiesta Bowl. You're not going to gain anything from it. If you get who, who was it? Uh, I forgot who it was. Was it Jake Butt? It, it might be Jake Butt, uh, tight end who from Mich- was it Michigan? I'm going to say Michigan. Who was projected to be like one of the top tight ends in the 2017 or 2016 draft? 
he tore his ACL and he like just slid down the board. He lost so much money because of that. So you don't want to risk your body for unnecessary things. And if he just didn't want to risk it in like a basically nothing bowl game, then I got no problem with that. Yeah, like like Mike Francis Sessa says, who cares? Um, anything else on the field? Let me just run through the positions real quick. Quarterback, talk about that. Running back, can't really talk about that. O-line, there's not much. We'll talk about the Solder uh, press conference. Tight ends, uh, we talk about – we're going to talk about C.J. Conrad and mailbag. Um, wide receivers. Golden Tate has been impressing. Uh, you know, we've seen a few highlights that – and that he's just being a playmaker out there for them. I'm really excited for Golden Tate. Uh, you know, obviously he's uh, – I think he's starting turns 31 by the time the season starts. But I believe he still has another good two years in the tank, and that's essentially what his contract is. Is a you know two years of guaranteed money, and then uh, you know nothing guaranteed after that. I really like him. We've talked, I've talked about that a million times, but I'm really excited about him um, on D line. Oh, that that was. Uh, I guess we you know James Betcher's press. Oh, we'll, we'll I'll say that for James Betcher's press conference. Uh, linebackers Tay Davis and B.J. Goodson are, re- are in a real battle for the starting job. Um, it seems like a lot of times they're giving B.J. Goodson the start, and then on like nickel stuff, they're giving Tay Davis the start. But essentially, nickel is starting now in the NFL. You run nickel more than your base sets. Um, safeties, we you know Peppers was out with that tooth thing. Um, didn't hear as much from him this week. Uh, corners, we've talked about that. So yeah, uh, anything else on the field that you want to cover? No, you basically covered everything, but I'm going to do a quick plug. At my Twitter, I did a BJ Goodson breakdown, so if you want to get a nice breakdown of BJ Goodson, and please comment and say who do you think should be starting, BJ Goodson or Tay Davis, at Danny King NFL. I'm doing doing player breakdowns there, but the BJ Goodson one, a lot of people like talking about that because who is going to start between BJ Goodson and Tay Davis? We've been over it a hundred times, but as I've been saying, I think that could be the battle to watch in camp. Tay Davis versus BJ Goodson. And the best thing is, you're a huge Tay Davis fan. Obviously, you have your reasons to be. He did, you guys did an interview, but still, he's a quality player. You can't deny that. And I'm a big fan of BJ Goodson. So I can't wait to see how that brings out throughout the summer. Yeah. And I'm a sucker for guys that, guys that change their position. Um, my favorite corner in the draft, not the best corner, but the guy I was most intrigued by was Isaiah Johnson, the guy out of Houston who played <laughs> wide receiver for two years. And I was like, man, this guy wears number 14. He's six foot four and he's playing corner. I'm in love with this guy. I can't remember who got him, but they got a steal. Anyways, <laughs> uh, that I'm glad you brought that up with the BJ Goodson, Tay Davis. That's that probably is the most open battle uh, going into the camp. Ryan Connolly, I, I went and did his stats from his senior year at Wisconsin and then BJ Goodson's senior year at Clemson. They're pretty much the same, although BJ Goodson had more flash stats like sacks and tackles for losses. And it's different systems, different types of players. I get that. But like, I like Connolly a lot. We've talked about him when we did our, our draft stuff. And it's it's hard to say too much about him because we actually haven't heard much from him at all, which is surprising. You thought, you know, you think especially with his past coverage, we'd hear a little more from, about him. But, like, I, I think he's going to be a starting linebacker for us eventually. I think he'll probably pass up both Goodson and Tay Davis eventually. Um but let's not like anoint him yet. Like I, we fall in love with the new toy, and I'm I'm completely guilty of that too. But like I'm I'm not ready to make him the start of week one yet. No, yeah. Someone asked me about Ryan Connolly, and I said, well, I believe he has all the potential to be a uh, quality NFL linebacker. 
I just don't see him being ready yet. Uh, I said if Ryan Conley will start, it will be towards season's end if the Giants are out of playoff contention or injuries happen because I don't want Ryan Conley being thrown out there because he was, what, our fifth-round draft pick, if I'm correct in saying that? I think it was the fourth because I think it was uh, like the same round as B.J. Goodson. But, yeah, uh, it, but, it's not, but not a top three-round pick. Yeah, you, but, yeah, so I B.J. Goodson, he was thrown out there because the Giants literally had no linebackers, if I'm correct, our linebackers. No, that was 2016. He was drafted. Never mind. Uh, but as you said, Ryan Connolly, he, sh- he should be developing. We still have time for him. We don't have to rush him in right now because we're set, at least in Giants terms, at linebacker. Yeah. All right. So on the field stuff, press conferences, Pat Shermer, uh, not much stuck out. He, speak- he spoke very glowingly of. Uh, Darius Slayton, and that's something that's good because we haven't heard the Darius Slayton drop stuff like we did in the, the rookie camp in the first two sets of OTAs where it was like every day we were hearing about Darius Slayton drops turning into interceptions. So I really think he kind of has a soft spot, uh, or Pat Shermer has a soft spot for him. Um, he was asked about Odell, which was weird, and I think he, we talked about it later in the show, but I think he kind of echoed what we said. But yeah, nothing else that stuck out to me what what did you have from it Danny uh well as you said he said the most approved player for minicamp was he says Daniel Jones's head isn't uh, quote swimming as much as other rookies so that's a good thing to hear he he really loves Daniel Jones and one why he should because he you know drafted him but that's obviously stating the obvious but something I like to hear uh was he's a big fan of Corey Coleman uh, he obviously talked about how he helped us in the return game. He also, like, uh, Corey Collins asked him a bunch of questions of how he ran, like, uh, his receivers in Minnesota, Phelan, mm-hmm. Diggs. So I liked hearing about that. So it sounds like the Giants have the expectations for Corey Coleman, and they have all the faith in the world with him. Obviously, as he had a very bad 2018 uh, with the infamous Hard Knocks episode, then getting traded to Buffalo, getting cut, then get, go, going to New England, getting cut by New England, then re-signing with New England, then getting cut by New England again. And so now he's finally with the Giants and in a place to really succeed. So I'm happy to see that. Oh, and this is a little fun fact because I was doing uh, Corey Coleman research for, obviously, my player breakdown. I learned this. The Giants are only on the hook for 720 k of his contract, the Bills have to pay the rest for some reason. I don't know why. But Suck it, very, Bills Mafia. It's very confusing. I know you would like to hear that because I know you you and the Bills fans got a little beef going there. So that's a little fun fact that I learned while researching Corey Coleman. Yeah, and from all that we've heard, Corey Coleman has been getting the most reps at wide receiver number three, which I think is best case scenario for us. I think that's where we all stand. It's like, yes, Cody Latimer is a guy who can make plays and is a solid receiver. But I think we all want Corey Coleman to take that spot because he just has so much raw talent. And if, like you said, if he can figure it out, it's going to be great. And you said Pat Schirmer was talking about how uh, how Phelan was lined up and digs and stuff like that. Like I love that. That's the stuff you want, like, want to hear is that your wide receiver number three is coming up to the coach and the dining hall and asking them about like what you did two years ago when you're the offensive quarter in Minnesota. Like, that is, like, little stuff that speaks out, you know what I'm saying? Where it's, like, like, like he didn't have to do that. Like, a lot of guys won't go and do that. They'll just kind of eat their lunch. They talk to the head coach when the head coach talks to them because, you know, the head coach doesn't talk to everybody like they do, like, you know, say, quarterback. Um, so that is really good to hear. That speaks volumes to me. 
No, it's Tucson. It just shows he's willing to learn. And I think 2018 is a very humbling year for Corey Coleman. He went from a first-round draft pick to basically being almost at the bottom of the barrel, and now he has an opportunity to really revitalize his career here in New York. And I'm just happy to see where it ends up for him because I'm a big Corey Coleman fan, and I believe he should be wide receiver number three, as you said. Yeah, I, I think that's best-case scenario and what we're all hoping for. Um, James Betcher's press conference, the the one – my my big takeaway from that is that B.J. Hill, Dexter Lawrence, Dalvin Tomlinson, and the rest of the guys, that from what he said, now I don't put a whole lot of stock into what these guys say at these press conferences, but that they're going to have to be guys that rotate around you know, playing each gap, uh, which is very interesting because Dexter Lawrence isn't just a pure nose tackle, and that's that kind of something we've wondered about. Uh, Dalvin Tomlinson has played in a couple different positions now in the NFL. Um, crazy that he's like the vet going into his third year, but and like when you did your Dalvin Thomason breakdown, man, he gets off the ball quick. He really does. When he fires off, like it's it's pretty cool to see, especially as big as he is. So that was my really big takeaway from that. I probably missed something though. Uh, my biggest takeaway was because as you said, it's hard for defenses to do much because they really can't do any bump and runs, really hit people. Because, you know, you got to protect the offense. So training campus won't get an idea where they are. But James Betcher, uh, he just says uh, he loves the classroom sessions. You got the rookies mixing it with the veterans, teaching them something new. Each Both sides, veterans teaching rookies, rookies teaching veterans. And he says also how the offense gets involved and helps the rookie corners learn some of the plays uh, and how to prepare Stuff like that. So it's just good to see that the defense and offense are merging well. You got the trash talk on the field, but after, once they're off the field, they all want to see each other succeed. So that's what I like to see. Man, what I really love about this defense is we kind of have that wily bet at every position, besides on the line. Like, you know, safety, you got Antoine Bethea, who I love Antoine Bethea, I really do. And I, that's not even, I'm not even saying like I love him. He's going to get 140 tackles and six interceptions being a Pro Bowl. Just as like his play. He does everything really well, and like he's a leader on the field. I love his attitude. Janoris Jenkins, that goes on unspoken of what we think of him. And then Alec Ogletree, who might be overrated as a player at times, and his, you know, the interception numbers and whatnot, but he came in and was a leader to that defense right away. I mean, just right away. Um, I've asked like a couple of other guys on the defense, I'm like, hey, who's, who's the guy you look up to? And everyone just says Tree. I'm like, who's Tree? And they're like, uh, Alec Ogletree. So they, we have a lot of like leaders on this defense. No, as, as I said to someone, as I did my Ogletree breakdown, I said, is Ogletree the best linebacker in the NFL? No. But what he brings to the Giants, his presence, just his like leadership to the team, it's undeniable. And he is just someone, as you said, players look up to. So Ogletree, are people going to be a fan of him? No. But if, if you say Ogletree does not have an impact on this, team, on this team, both on and off the field, then you just don't know. Ogletree, just because he's that guy that you can go and ask advice for, and he's just a force for at least the Giants' defense. We have to follow the players' lead on this. we got to just start calling him Tree for now on. Maybe we're the only people that aren't. I'm calling our Ogletree just Tree for now on. Uh, so, good stuff, Tree. I'm going to try and call him Tree, but I'm probably going to call him Ogletree. But Tree is so much more simpler because it took me a long time to figure out how to say Alec Ogletree because me and names, it never goes along well. So, the, I can finally say Ogletree now. The Tree Man. Alec the Tree. That's our new thing. Fun, like, story. Like, probably like five years ago, my dad owns a, a tree service. And I used to work for it. And someone posted on Facebook. And they said, hey, I need someone that, uh, a, a, a tree guy in Palm Bay. 
and I was like, uh, call my, call call us and left the phone number. And he's like, that not that kind of tree. He was talking about drugs, guys. Don't do drugs. Anyways, that's completely <laughs> unrelated. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's a good PSA. Talking Giants, don't do drugs. Do not do drugs. I don't care what Chris Long told you. Anyways, that's <laughs> we don't need to do that. Anyways, uh, what else from pressers stood out from you? The only Nate Solders. Nate Solders is kind of a funny meathead kind of guy. Like watching his presser actually makes me like him a little more. Because sometimes he's unaware, and then sometimes he's really aware. He's like, I like that question. You're like, because they asked him, like, man, you like you, you guys struggled in the first eight games and then improved. Um, like, how do you think that's going to go to the next year? He's like, I like that question. Where you're like, you guys kind of sucked last year. Are you going to suck again this year? So I thought that <laughs> was kind of funny. And they asked him, because everyone was asking, like, what's the difference, you know, biggest difference from year one to year two? And he's like, uh, you mean, like, playing for a new team? They're like, well, just being like year two with like this new team. And he's like, yeah, it's great. You know, my wife has met some friends. Uh, I know my way around the town better. It's like, that's not what they're asking you about, Nate Solder. Uh, so we're talking about the scheme and how you feel in the offense, not how how well you are adjusting to the New Jersey uh, lifestyle. So that was funny. But the biggest thing that came out is he didn't guarantee he'd be back for training camp, although that was pretty facetious. He's like, he asked the reporters, like, uh, can you guarantee you're going to be there? So I think we all expect him to be back in camp. That's what everyone said. Um, so I wouldn't read too much into that. Yeah, I wouldn't read too much into it. But on the family thing, when he said that, I, I wrote down my notes. I said his family's going to know the area. So that congratulations. So, <laughs> but, so that was good to know. And another funny thing he said, uh, when someone asked him a question, he's like, you know what? I understand that question. I can answer your question. I'm like, wait, Nate Silder. I thought like, Nate Silder like at least someone that like, because honestly, I didn't hear him talk that much or at least watch many of his interviews. So I thought he would be a guy that, like, he seemed like a very smart guy to me with all the work he does in the community. And he wrote, like, a whole article talking about uh, his work he did down in Africa and Ghana. So I was like, oh, Nate Holder seems like a smart guy. Then today, he's like, oh, I know that question. I'm like, he sounds so excited. But uh, the serious point, yeah, I believe he'll be ready for training camp. Maybe he won't be a full go right away, but he'll be ready for training camp. Nate, yeah, definitely. Nate Soldier is the kind of guy, like, he is smart. But he does definitely has that little meathead in him. I mean, so does every football player. Uh, but he unintentionally makes me laugh. Like that tweet he had the day after the draft, uh, where he's like, "Moms, you need to check yourself. You, your son, like, like you don't own anything. Oh, aren't owed anything." I was like, "I don't know, Nate. I think moms are the only people that are are owned anything." And then when so, someone brought up Eli Apple, uh, so maybe that's what I was referencing. Don't talk about and- her. She'll come at us. <laughs> That would be funny. We should. That's what we're going to do in July. Write that down. Uh, or, or, or middle of June. <laughs> uh, oh, and then he was also like, half these guys are going to be injured by the time they even finish their first deal. I was like, dude, well, like, who peed in your Cheerios? Cheerios, man. <laughs> Chill out. But I love Nate. I, I really do. Uh, so, yeah, looking forward to year two. No, yeah, Nate in, the, in the New Jersey area. His wife made a lot of Oh, friends. yes. I, I said. Like, in terms of thing, Nate Solder playing for us is number two. His family getting well acquainted in the area is probably, like, my biggest concern. I'm a huge sigh of relief that he can finally – his wife has friends. That's great to know. I know. I, I'm very glad that his wife is making friends. Um, Nate Solder was on a podcast. That was, like, his tweet before the whole, like, moms check yourself. And I was almost like – is this just a way to get us to listen to this podcast? Because I listened. I'll be honest. Uh, so, yeah. 
Uh, Nate Solder, keep it up, baby. We freaking love you. And chug a freaking beer for us. Let's do it. The, yeah, July 4th episode. Let's just get everyone on here, the whole offensive line. If you want, guys, we'll, if you want, like, I know you may be in training mode. We'll do water if you guys want to. We'll, we'll meet in the middle somewhere. You guys want to chug milk? We'll chug milk. But we'll, we'll, we got to find a way to do this, guys. Let's make this happen. Okay, so that actually leads me to my next point. Pat Shermer's giving the guys the day off on Monday. They're going to the Yankees-Mets game. My Yankees versus your Mets. Before we talk about my Yankees obviously beating your Mets. All right, hold on. Do you see us having any beer chugs at the game? Uh, please. For, like, I'm begging that someone needs to chug a beer. If no player chugs a beer, I, this team is a big disappointment in my opinion. If I don't see We're... someone, I don't care who it is. I don't care if I see Alex Tanny chug a beer. Someone needs to chug a beer. It's reached a point where I'll pay. We need something to talk about on Tuesday. Chug a freaking beer. If if they don't chug a beer, we will not have a show. We'll cancel. No, I'm just kidding. If, if Kevin Zeidler chugs a beer, I'm taking full credit for that because his wife made him do it. I'm calling it. His wife is fiery, and I freaking love it. Um, shout out Sarah Zeidler. You're the best. Um, besides Kevin. I like Kevin more than you. No offense, but he's going to protect Daniel Jones. Um Shout out Sarah Zeitler. Hmm. Uh, anything else before we move on to the mail? Uh, no. I will. Yes, I'll just say the Mets are going to sweep the Yankees because Jason mm, Vargas is the okay. best pitcher in the There we go. That's it. See you, see you on Tuesday when we're talking about the Mets' victory. Oh, wait, okay. No, we tune, in the, tune in to Talking Yanks, the greatest Yankee podcast in the world do you ever yeah. listen to uh john boy and jake show the the talking yank show have yeah. you listened to it one time yeah i do listen to it because it helps me increase my knowledge of baseball so of course i'm gonna listen to it and they also help give us our show our platform thank you john boy but still no i, I give the show a listen they're they're good they're good guys they got good chemistry going and i just like hearing sometimes when they're mad and getting mad at the yankees it's like man i'm not alone when i get mad at my sports teams that's a good question since you're not in yankee world do you know how mad we are at Clint Frazier right now? I know you're very mad at Clint Frazier. I know he's mad at his teammates. I, I remember he went for a dive at a ball, or like he slid for a ball that he totally shouldn't have slid at, and just went behind him, and I was like, my teammates shouldn't have talked to the media. Now I'm mad and upset. I don't know what to do. Dude, it's bad. It's real bad. But tune in the Talking Yanks for that. Uh, all right, so let's get into the mail. But Before that, a quick advertisement. All right, so a lot of people are starting podcasts today. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. Their creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one play. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You'll be glad you did. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Hi, guys. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, Danny. Let's get to the mail. All right. The first question Comes from at Gosman Superstar. He asks, when, not if, does Daniel Jones win the first of his seven Super Bowl rings? 
Uh, it's not going to be this year since, uh, obviously, Eli's winning with the Giants. It's going to start next year, and then he, Stan, Daniel Jones is going to go on a seven Super Bowl run. Yeah. No, in seriousness, I actually made this guarantee maybe a few weeks ago. I really think he's going to win the Super Bowl on his rookie contract, and that that very well may be just the emotions and the bias and, and the wishful thinking. But, like, I, I love what I've seen out of his college tape. Um, everything we've been hearing out of OTAs and, and minicamp has been great. I am so excited for him. And, you know, we obviously talked about that a lot in the beginning of the show. But, yeah, he's – like, I am 100% expecting Daniel Jones to be a Super Bowl winning quarterback. I, I don't think that – I don't think I need to explain that much. <laughs> no, yeah. Uh, the next question comes from at Jake Roberts 222. He asks, what do you think of Odell's comments on Eli's arm strength? Uh, I mean, it kind of it was kind of a dig at Eli, but also kind of wasn't. He was just happy to be with Baker. But I, I guess you can also view it as a dig at Eli. He called out his arm strength. Uh, obviously, I would just love to play the Browns this year in the regular season. I even tweeted that out. I said 2020 can't come soon enough since that's when we play them in the regular season. So I can't wait to get back at it. But Odell, he's going to be Odell. He's going to make digs at the Giants. I expect him to keep making digs at the Giants throughout the season. But nothing we could do about it. Just got to prove uh, that we can win without him. Yeah, this is more of a nothing burger, kind of like not out of context, but it's just nothing. It's he was just saying he like, you know, he's asked what's the differences, and he said, oh well, you know, Baker throws a harder ball, which I'm not like mad about. In fact, I even saw somebody brought up that Shep uh, Sterling Shepard said kind of like the same thing when he came from Oklahoma. And it wasn't like a jig. It's like, yeah, you know, Eli catch like throws a more like more with touch and a more catchable ball. So yeah, I I don't really, and I've you know I've been pretty harsh on Odell, and that really like that didn't even really like that didn't even raise my eyebrows really. No, it was just he just happened to be with Baker Mayfield. That's really all there is to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, what do you what do you expect him to do? Like be like, oh, I gotta. I got to get better, uh, more used to bad passes. But they, like, of course, he's going to be saying nice things about his new teammates. Yeah. Uh, the next question comes from Ad Riddle Dudu. He asks, "Do you guys think CJ Conrad makes a roster?" I'm going to send this one to you, Bobby, since you're a big CJ Conrad fan. I know you've done some research on him. Yeah. In fact, I meant to kind of compare him to Jason Witten's college player. No, Jason Witten was undrafted guy, SEC guy, totally different. Like. Totally different context, but still, I just kind of wanted to see like what Jason uh, Witten's production was in college. Uh, Conrad, his production wasn't great at Kentucky. You know, he had 30 catches last year um, for like I think it was like 300 something yards. But at the same time, when I was watching uh, Big George's tape, the Kentucky quarterback was absolutely horrible. He was just he was essentially just a runner with an with a with an arm. That's all he was. I mean, their quarterback was horrible, just flat out bad. And I guess that's just kind of college QBs in general that are not at the top level. I mean, it was just brutal. Uh, but he did make some, like, he made, like, one really amazing catch against Mississippi State. Uh, like, you know, I was watching that because I wanted to see what Big George did up against Montez Sweat. That was, like, he, and he's been making really good catches in rookie camp. We've seen a couple of them. He's wearing the number 47, so when you watch the highlights they put out, that's him. Uh, he caught a touchdown in red zone drills. He's just catching everything, like literally everything. We heard that him and uh, uh, Danny Jones had that that connection during rookie camp. It seemed to going further. And even before we drafted C.J. Conrad, I was kind of on the train of 
maybe we should uh, get rid of Red Ellison's contract because I think Scott Simonson can do Red Ellison's job just as well as him, if not even grow a little bit and be better. I, I like Scott Simonson a lot for his role, like obviously not as a starting tight end. So I just think we have a lot of flexibility there. Um, but I could also see C.J. Conrad being the young guy, the new guy. Scott Simonson's had uh, a few years in the NFL and then being like, you know what, we're going to go with C.J. Conrad over Scott Simonson if they're, if they're chained to Red Ellison because they're not, you know, because Red Ellison is bringing in like $4.5 million this year. Um, but I, I'm, I've been on the trade Red Ellison for what you can get for him trained because I just I think his job is very replaceable. He was brought in under McAdoo when we weren't really running. Like he didn't run. He, we didn't have a tight end on the roster. In 2016, he brought in Shane Smith for 2017. But Pat Shermer runs a true fullback, and we have that in Elijah Penny. So Red Ellison's like usage has changed a little bit. Although he did, you know, they do like motion him into the backfield as a fullback. I just, I just think Scott Simonson can do that job pretty well. Uh, but C.J. Conrad, he, I need, I want to see him with pads on. You know, that's pretty much with anybody. But there was times where he kind of got like blown up blocking wise. Uh, so I want to see how he is uh, against NFL competition. I don't want to just assume he's a good blocker. No, yeah, that's the thing. I would totally get rid of Red Ellison to save cap space. But he, uh, Evan Ingram, obviously, he, he's not known for his run block, and Red Ellison is. So unless Evan Ingram has improved his run blocking, and to my, is this, I'm trying to remember, was Scott Simonson a good run blocker? Is that part of his uh, repertoire of moves, or do we? Yeah, he actually was. Uh, There was games when Evan Ingram was out, and they'd run two tight end sets with Ellison and Scott Simonson, and they'd run some stretch stuff. Like Scott Simon is a really good blocker, and that's that's why I'm kind of on the move. uh, Red Ellison train, not as much CJ Conrad. Obviously, I want to see CJ Conrad on the roster, but and I'm like I don't think Scott Simonson is going to be the best tight end in the game, but I think he can do Red Ellison's job just as well as him. No, yeah, that that's the thing. It's just. Red Ellison, he's such a replaceable guy, but I also feel like, though, him and Eli have a chemistry working with each other, and I think the Giants may want to keep that chemistry because I feel like Eli and Ellison get along well, complement each other well. But if Eli and Scott Simonson can get that time and down or C.J. Conrad proves he could be a valuable asset to his team, I say Red Ellison will be gone. Yeah, and Conrad, like, he's a guy who you probably won't have to worry about getting stolen off of your practice squad. Um, although that's always scary to me, like guys that I see being on the team in the future, I just hate throwing them on the practice squad because someone can go and snag them up. Um, like the guys I like to see on the practice squad are guys who I really just <laughs> don't believe in. Um, or, you know, if they like, if he has a good, really good preseason, I mean, teams are always using like looking for that third tight end. We see that position get moved, jumbled around a whole, a whole bunch. In fact, Matt Lacoste, our former tight end, he had like a decent year. For Denver last year, supposedly he's playing well for New England in their mini camps. You know, take that for what it's worth. But like you see, you see that like third, that second, third tight end guys, they move around a lot. So yeah, I, I want to see CJ Conrad on the roster, um, and my plan for that would be to move on from Red Elson. Yeah, that tight tight end number two, and you can argue tight end number three will be a position to watch all throughout training camp. Uh, the final question comes from at Talk and Nets. The, uh, they asked us, since obviously me and Bobby are both Nets fans, uh, is Kevin Durant coming to the Nets? No, but the Nets know something that we don't. Kyrie Irving's coming to the Nets. Okay, I forgot that I put this on there because I, I have that Talk and Nets handle because eventually I want to start that show. 
you know, taking one step at a time. But hey, if you're a diehard Nets fan, DM us. Maybe we can use you. Um, so maybe that's like more promotion. Uh, yeah, hey. I, I just think it's funny that we're probably the only Giants podcast that is ran by only Nets fans. Like, by, and we're like that's why I, I've like stopped tweeting about like other sports teams on my personal account. I use the Simple Man account because I'm like, you know, people probably don't like me saying that the Nets are taking over and are going to curb stomp the entire NBA. Um, <laughs> no, but I will say I don't want to spend too much time on this because I could I could spend. 20 minutes on this in fact i just did it with some of my friends not too long ago earlier today man trading alan crab because Kyrie's to the nets seems like a done deal but trading alan crab like for the first time made me go man maybe maybe we will get kevin durant like who knows i i i'm sorry i i've i've stopped myself from getting my hopes up and starting today my hopes are up and then you're probably gonna get crushed no yeah i've I'm, my my hopes are already through the roof right now. Our but, followers will probably go down if Kevin Durant ends up with the Nets and me and you are both celebrating. Uh, and Nick, Knicks fans are going to be real, real salty. Real I, ang- salty. I angered some Knicks fans on the night of the draft lottery when they got – I forgot what pick they got. I posted, like, just, like, a, a gif of people laughing. These Knicks fans were like, guys, come on. It's not funny. We're really struggling here. I'm like, I don't care. <laughs> And we and we you did the uh, the Daniel Jones like the Giants New York got the real dude uh, player they yeah. wanted. I was I was I was making Knicks fans really mad on draft night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, go freaking Nets, baby. Talking Nets, it's in the works for the future. Let us know if you want to get involved. All right, and that was the final question. We ended on a non-football question. Don't you love it? All right. Um, since we kind of ran short on on mailbag. Next week is the last round of OTAs till training camp. I wish they would announce the training camp schedule already. Like, I know – I just like to plan things, and it bothers me that we don't have the training camp schedule out yet. Next week is the last round of OTAs. We'll have our regular two episodes uh, recapping, previewing that. And then we're going to start doing some interview stuff. I got some stuff lined up. should be fun. But, I mean, what do you want to see coming out of OTAs next week? Because – I mean, besides, obviously, we want to see Daniel Jones do well, but like, it's it's going to be pretty intense because that's the last that's the last impression that these guys can make for probably about three weeks. Uh, yeah, you're right. I could, yeah, there's going to be some time until we see them again. So one, I don't, I, I hope everyone makes the correct decisions. I just sounded like a parent right there, like guys, let's make good decisions here. But yeah, I want to see improvement from Daniel Jones. I just want to see uh, one Evan Ingram uh, not come back to practice sore. That would be a lovely. And I just want to see everyone keep training, keep learning the playbook, and just continuing to get better. Because I feel like we have something with this team. There's like a different vibe to it than I got from previous years. So my expectations aren't high, but the team is giving me hopes. Yeah, man. I love these OTAs, rookie mini camps. Like, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to cover. Um, So, yeah, those three weeks are going to be brutal. It's going to be... I mean, we are going to be pulling rabbits out of our heads, as Jason Witten would say, to get some stuff together. But we'll definitely do it. We're going to keep up two episodes a week. Um, interaction's been down. I'll say that. Downloads have been still growing, so that's good. But interaction's been down, guys. What's the deal with that? Come on. Uh, do better. Uh, as people on Twitter like to say, do better. I love when people say do better. It. It's honestly might be the most corny two words put together in the world. Do better. 
No, yeah. It's just, obviously, we're just at such a, now we're into, like, a really dry stage of the offseason where people are like, man, what are we going to talk about? Because training camp's not until July, so it's really going to die down. Uh, the Giants, they're not going to be making any moves via trade or anything like that, so it's going to be really quiet here in Giants land, so we're just going to have to try and uh, find a way to keep the conversation going. We should just cover every Odell move ever. Like follow what he likes on Instagram. Um, talk about every single post he likes, um, every tweet he likes. Just let's just. We, I think that would be best for our show. People would love that, right? Talking Odell. That's Talking Odell. People would freaking love that. No, just kidding. I talked about him uh, yesterday on Swan Radio. Zach got it out of me. I was like, I'm so glad I can actually like let out my feelings on this because. Like, it's a no-no to do it in Giants world, which I, at the same time, I'm, like, tired of it. But I was like, I just need to talk into a microphone about why this guy aggravates the hell out of me. Um, all right, that's the show. We'll see you guys back on Tuesday, regular scheduled programming. Even though they're not going to be practicing on Monday, actually, may, maybe things will change. We'll see. But they're not going to be practicing on Monday going to that Yankees-Mets game. Go Yankees. Suck it, Danny. I'm not I'm gonna keep talking so you can't say go Mets. Let's go, big nah. boy.